News and weather from RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this Friday is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Danny. In our main topic today, we're going to be looking at a consultation exercise on amendments to the noise control ordinance. Under the proposed changes, shopkeepers could be banned from using loudspeakers to promote their products, while domestic noises would be reprimanded with a fixed penalty of $10,000. Open for feedback until October the 8th, the consultation also proposes to increase the fines on conviction in a move aimed at tackling an issue affecting almost a million Hong Kong residents. At the same time, events on some festivals such as Chinese New Year and Christmas may be able to extend until 1 a.m. So are you affected by noise pollution? Is noise, uh, using noise part of the way you make income? We want to hear from you. And uh, towards the end of the program, we're going to be discussing calls to increase domestic helpers' wages. Let us know what you think on both topics. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Email us at backchat at RTHK or give us a call. The number there, 233-88266. Joining us uh, for our main discussion this morning, we have in our Queensway studio, uh, Colin Cohen. Colin is a uh, senior partner and co-founder of both Cohen and Collins. And on the line, we have Dr. Kuratalin Azaidi, who is a registered clinical psych- uh, psychologist at a Mind Life Psychology Practice. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Um, Dr. Saidi, maybe let's go to you first and just, uh, I think you, you could perhaps f- fill, us, uh, fill us in on just how um, serious for people's health the, the issue of noise pollution is, Dr. Saidi. Morning. Uh, um, the, you know, noise pollution is the spread of unwanted sounds into the environment. And brain is always monitoring sounds for signs of danger. Mm-hmm even when we're asleep. So as a, free, as a result of the frequent um, or, you know, the loud, loud noises, it can trigger anxiety or stress. And with continued exposure to noise pollution, uh, a person's sensitivity to stress can increase. Um, people living with noise pollution may feel more irritable, on edge, even angry, because, you know, if you can't control the amount of noise in the environment, it does have an impact on their mental health. I read that to you rather, some rather frightening um, consequences. I think in the interview you gave, you were talking about high blood pressure and sort of uh, permanent loss of hearing among children. I mean, how, how, how much of a danger really is there of those kind of uh, side effects? It, look, there, is, uh, there are uh, research studies that show us uh, these uh, figures and the impact of the, uh, you know, exposure to loud noise. So, Environmental noise, um, it, it, it's a common uh, cause of sleep disturbance, right? Difficulty falling asleep, inability to stay asleep, waking up too early. Also, um, you know, it has an impact on mood, ability to concentrate. And again, you know, it, um, there is a hearing impairment. Uh, but that is above a certain level of um, noise and uh, continued exposure to it. Right. Um uh, those are the physical kind of effects, and the blood pressure absolutely increases because if you're consistently, you know, being exposed to this, uh, then your body has a reaction to it. So the physical, uh, physical part of uh, having an impact on this is absolutely increasing blood pressure. We've got studies to show that with kids. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Good morning, Dr. Zidi. Um, is Hong Kong a particularly noisy place? <laughs> 
how about let's just go for a walk for about two minutes and see <laughs> what's going on outside. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I would think, you know, with a, it is a busy city. There is a lot of construction going on. There's a lot of, uh, you know, um, traffic noise and all of that. So, yes, it is, it is a particularly noisy city. I would absolutely right. agree. And, of course, it's, it's urbanised, isn't it? Very urbanised, very yeah. compact. So the yeah. noise gets stuck in the canyon and, and rolls around the canyon and comes back to hit you. Um, is this particular one uh, with the shops, is that a particularly serious source of noise? You see, I was, uh, I was uh, contemplating, uh, you know, on that one. I don't know whether that is the most uh, direct uh, source of noise that is going to have the long-term impact. Because, yes, it may be there, but I don't know whether that compared to the building noise that we are constantly, you know, the construction noise that we're constantly surrounded by in our homes outside. So, yes, that may be a part of it, but I don't know whether people who are just trying to, uh, you know, have uh, create a source of income for themselves are the, are the biggest source of noise pollution in Hong Kong. Right. Okay, now, now we, we, we've talked about sort of the health effects of um, noise pollution on, on the legal perspective. Uh, let's bring in uh, Colin Curran, senior partner and uh, co-founder of Burris, uh, Curran and Colin. So, uh, Colin, we, we have what? We have the noise control ordinance, don't we? I was looking, it's been around since 1989. We have this one piece of legislation and um, the uh, government is now looking at updating it. How effective is the legal framework here? Um, I think it's quite difficult. I think one reason for these amendments are due to the fact that there are difficulties in enforcement of this ordinance. And indeed, if you read the discussion paper, you will see that the fines have remained constant close to 25 years, 30 years, which is quite remarkable. Um, you have to sort of consider this matter very carefully. Um, noise control ordinance is there. It's an attempt to ensure that people's life can go on without being dramatically disturbed by noise. But as we all know, as you quite rightly have been discussed already, Hong Kong could be considered to be quite a noisy place with regard to construction, traffic and other matters. But it seems to me the real issue with these amendments have been directed at a specific group of people up in Kowloon, in certain areas, where with the concept of peddling their wares. Now, what does that mean? I think I've seen it in one chai occasionally when somebody has on their a tray full of goods and knives and forks and are shouting to everyone, come here, look at me, chop up these fruits, etc. And somebody next door has another and a lot of no the noise starts building and building and building. And, and I understand that from the paper, one of the um, government officials said, oh, I visited and the noise, the, the horrendous noise hit huge decibels with all these hawkers running around using a big loudspeaker and then having a go at each other come into my area as well. And that has seems to be the catalyst for putting forward these amendments, which I'm not too sure whether they're even going to really work to go at the main issue. Um, I, I, after I was asked, to, I, yesterday I started listening to the construction noise in Queens Road East and you had piling, you got construction sites as well. I, I don't but, think there's anything about construction noise, really, in, well, in they, this paper, they, is there? No, there isn't, because that is, they say, 
is already dealt with and covered and they accept it because, to be very frank and honest, you've got to have buildings, you've got to construct buildings, you've got to knock buildings down, you've got to have pilings, and the 7am to 7pm can't work out certain parts of the weekend seems to be sufficient and they are under very strict controls as to the extent of the noise, you know, but there are barriers put up and we, everyone seems to get used to it. But this particular problem which seems to be aimed at are certain hawkers individuals who they're saying the reason why they've got to have the fixed penalty is we can't really track down the actual people who are responsible. And yet at the same time in the paper, they're saying, oh, we wouldn't mind fixed penalties for domestic premises. Now, that's a very, very interesting area whereby you throw a big party on your balcony, next minute the cops arrive, and then they go away, then the food environment officers turn up and everybody's shouting, telling you to behave, turn it all down, you don't turn it down. Then you get whacked with a noise abatement, which next time you do it, you're committing a further criminal offence. What they're trying to say here is to all these people, we'll dole out all these fixed penalty tickets, 10,000 a shot, whether they'll go to every single person who's in the party or every single person who they think is making the noise, that's going to be pretty difficult. You know? And they're, oh, this brings me back to an issue I think no one likes, you know, the COVID restrictions, whereby, you know, fixed penalty tickets were handed out all the time, especially with people sort of mingling up around the bar areas, and it seems to be a big exercise to collect money for the Treasury. <laughs> Colin, one of the things that struck me about the consultation paper was yeah. that for the first time, apparently, uh, the uh, enforcement officers are going to be able to require people uh, to give them information. I, I just wonder whether you've got the same thing. How on earth did they enforce it before? Well, they had difficulties. That's why they, I mean, the problem is if there's a huge, you know, I mean, for example, I'll give you a good example. Um, if you've done your walkabout around the, you know, the big Ferris wheel in Central and you've got these lovely ladies blaring out their wonderful songs with these speakers and then the FEHD boys come along and saying, oh, turn it down, turn it down because you're disturbing everyone. They don't. And then they get pulled over show your ID card, etc., etc. and they tell them whether they rarely, rarely prosecuted, actually. I think the problem has been is that they haven't had the means to stop these people. But one shop owner says, um, says well, OK, we won't use a loudspeaker because the ordinance, the amendments to the ordinance will be specific to amplifiers. We'll just use a loud hailer. And then the exemptions are, well, we can only do, we can't do people in, in private places, in, and then you're going to have exemptions for big screens and other matters as well. Um, what is all this? Is it the big hammer to crack a little nut? Big I'm not hammer, too sure. Eh? Yes, um, that will make a lot of noise in itself. Um, you, you sound pretty sceptical, don't you, Colin Curran, of these, um, of these proposals? I mean, we have well, to be I, fair, I, it's I, only a consultation, yes, isn't it, I, right? I, I, I mean, it's yeah, consultation. Yeah. You, could, you and, our, and our listeners and I can write in and say, well, this is not going to work and uh, you should do something else. On the other hand, government consultations normally do end up with sort of pretty similar proposals to what's initially outlined. Yeah, it, you, you are correct. It is a consultation. And there is, if you look at the paper, there's a, f a little thing in the end which you which you complete. I know a couple of LegCo people have straight away have said that the fines are far too high. 10,000 fixed penalty ticket is, is a bit he heavy-handed. And also, you know, the exemptions they're putting in place for festivities, for going beyond um, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. in certain days, as long as you keep it to 10 decibels. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sceptical as to 
what this is trying to resolve. Is there a real issue here? As the um, the pre, uh, as I the uh, as she said very earlier on, there are difficulties. What is there a real problem here? I mean, is, is this I've, just? I've, I'm, I've I'm seen, not sure. I've seen some of those shops um, with uh, guys kitted up like Taylor Swift, as if he's going to be doing a a performance. Um, and he's advertising, you know, I've got these wonderful knives in the shop. I've got these wonderful choppers. Um, and there was a guy in Shamshi Po who used to bite the head, heads off snakes. Um, he had a sort of loudspeaker thing going as well. I think he's gone now. Aren't they, aren't they part of the colourful street life of Hong Kong? Okay, well, let's, let's actually bring uh, Dr. Saidi back into the discussion about this and uh, take uh, Dr. Saidi's views. Um, is, is there really a problem here, and are, is the government perhaps aiming at the wrong target, Dr. Saidi? Dr. Saidi, are you still with us? Sorry, yeah. you were on mute. I didn't want, I didn't yeah. want to lose you going. Sorry about that. Very considerate of you. Um, I, what, I mean, this, as, we, as Colin Cohen was saying, I mean, this consultation exercise is actually only tackling those specific types of noise. And in fact, it seems to be homing in on one. But, uh, I mean, there are some of those issues are dealt with, but primarily homing in on one issue, which is these, um, these shops with uh, loudspeakers outside, right? Oh, well, uh, and where you've got people living above the Shop. Yes. Um, I mean, is, is, when we talk about noise pollution, is, is that really the priority? What, what's your opinion, um, Dr. Heidi? I, I think it is part of, as you say, rightly, part of Hong Kong culture, number one, possibly. And the other part is definitely that it is one part of the noise pollution. I don't think it's the main source. And there are much bigger sources in the city that need to be addressed. Uh, for general well-being of population, our younger generation. And, you know, uh, and I understand that it is an urban city. I completely get that. Uh, how, so there has to be a balance, but we can't target a particular group, especially a marginalised or, you know, lower income. What would you like to see us focus on? What areas? Oh, like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, mainly, it's a building construction. You know, when, when, I, when you're trying to have a session and there's like this constant drilling going on above you, below you and across you, that's a bit difficult um, to for the people in my clinic as well as, you know, trying to trying to uh, create an environment where people can um, feel safe to be able to talk about things, you know, because it's a constant source of stress. Oh, yes. yeah, that's I that's have, uh, yeah. difficult any time. I can imagine in the, yes, if you're all well, uh, if, these it, kind of things, if it's in an office, people there are controls usually from the management uh, when you can make a lot of noise and you're re, re, refurbishing things. But it doesn't seem to apply to residences. Uh, Colin, what are the controls when the guy next door is uh, changing his bathroom? Um, yes, I mean, it's, you look at the building regulations for your, let's say, I'm the chairman of our owners my owners' committee. When you have to do your construction work, specific times you can do it let's say 10 you know nine o'clock to one o'clock break 2 30 to 5 30 not over weekends it, it varies all over the place it's but not really a statutory matter is no it, it is, is certainly not a statutory matter but of course you then have there is a remedy if you feel the noise is unbearable is the is the common law of nuisance 
you can take proceedings, but that is expensive, difficult, and it's never going to resolve matters. I mean, the drilling and the noises has always been a real issue here in Hong Kong, even in our office. You know, two floors above, somebody says, well, I'm still going to get out the electric drill to drill, and you've got a Zoom call and the noise comes in. But, you know, as Dr. Zaidi says, um, that's not the real, real issue here. I think the, the noise that really, really gets at people and could impact your mental health of a massive piling on the construction sites. That can be pretty, especially the smaller ones we're dealing with. The very big companies have good controls, they set it out properly. But to me, that really hasn't been addressed. It, it, it's not get, the ordinance does not go anywhere near looking at what that, that issue is. And that, to me, I think is the real, real problem. That would cause mental stress. Although, in the paper, they say that all the people who live above the shopping areas uh, could get mental stress from the massive noise of these people with all their amplifiers. And they say it's pretty bad. But, you know, they could... And they say the difficulty of dealing with it, these aren't the shops. These are just individuals, hawkers, who peddle their goods, come up on their carts start and making the noise let's, uh, that's the, that's the difference well, Let, let's let's just go back to uh, dr zaidi because she has to go in a moment and uh, dr zaidi just just to follow up on what you were saying earlier dr zaidi when you when you're talking about the noise coming into your office are you talking about noise from other units in the same building or construction in the on the next building and we, we, which is the which is the one you you, you think should be the oh. top priority to address both, uh, you know, within the building and uh, right next door, in front of us, um, as well as behind us. So there is, you know, there is an area. Uh, I'm, I'm literally in the middle of a building site right now, and I have been here for the past 18 months. It's been tough. It's been tough. And within that, look, we were able to work from home some of the time. So, uh, it, you know, you, you could prevent some of that coming through in the sessions. But when we have to be in the office to be able to see certain people who can't, who don't have privacy um, and the advantage of privacy in their own homes, then it does impact it. So that's what I'm talking about within my building. And it's an office building, and they are supposed to be kind of working within certain limits. Um, but it's, it's the reality of it on the ground is that, yes, we get impacted, not within those times, as uh, Mr. Khan said, that, that, you know, it's difficult to reinforce. Yeah. And, um, I mean, as, as Colin Cohen was saying just now, I mean, within a building, it's really a matter for the building management, isn't it? Agree. Agree. I agree. And it hasn't been helpful to us, uh, you know, where we are. So, but we, you just get along. I mean, the thing is that either we get, we, this is Hong Kong, you get used to it, this is how it is, and you move on. I don't believe that that should be the case. I think people should be able to make some differences and create some form of, structure around this so that we don't have to be exposed to it all the time. Okay, thank you very much to Dr. Zaidi, a registered clinical psychologist and mind life psychology practice, uh, for joining us on the show this morning. Uh, we're discussing the issue of noise pollution. The government's putting forward a consultation exercise on whether there should be um, amendments to the legislation in certain specific areas. If you have any thoughts, uh, do email us at backchatterrthk.hk or you can go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, and um, leave a comment there. Uh, a comment, uh, uh, email coming in from Mike and Colin, Colin Cohen, this is addressing a different noise issue we haven't talked about so 
profile. Mike says, modified exhaust or no mufflers at all on motorcycles and exotic cars at 2 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the morning. Racing, playing cat and mouse with traffic police. It appears the traffic police are losing. Colin Cohen, that's yet another issue, hasn't it? I mean, for people, um, <laughs> we've, we've all heard road noise at night, haven't we? Yes, and um, we hear aerop- we used to hear aeroplane noises. If you recollect, when yeah, well, many good, many good, years good ago, good luck, good luck bringing bringing a noise control complaint again in an aeroplane. Yeah, no, we- I mean, I'm yes. It, it, the police do try to do their very best to prevent the road racing, the mufflers. But you know, the question is, if you're got your exotic car with your all zooped up, you know, there are regulations whereby you can't, you know, make that noise. And the, and the mere fact that you start, you know, having a street race, revving and revving, if the police are there, they will pull you over, stop it, but then they start all over again. That has been a problem in Hong Kong, but I don't think it, it's as big as the consultation paper is aiming it at, you know, and very, very, very difficult for the police to enforce. Right. Colin, could we do a bit more on, resi- on residential? I'm, th- I'm just thinking whether babies want to have a nap after lunch. Maybe senior citizens want to have a nap after lunch. Could we restrict the no- real noise in the morning? That is a particular issue, isn't it? Because, I mean, um, the, you have these uh, normally fairly tight controls on what hours you can do construction in flats, right. but one of those is um, immediately in the afternoon, which is when, uh, That's when right. babies will be taking naps. Colin Curran? Well, yes, again, it's up to each. Remember this, the DMC... Deals this with is, uh, the, the, the mutual covenant or a house regulation deals gov- with... Governs all the owners in the yeah, lot, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's construction. It's aimed at construction. What people could say that if one, let's say, the biggest... I've, I've had many cases where I've acted and been sometimes successful, sometimes not, is whereby the resident upstairs is playing some very, very loud music. And this new, you know, sort of, I call it the boom-boom music, real, you know, really using all the amplifiers. And that's very noisy. And the people downstairs want their kids to sleep. Management do not want to get involved in those particular disputes. Then it's left for letters to fly backwards and forwards. And then, you know, you've got to to prove that it's really had an impact, you know, continuously, continuously, continuously. I think, I mean, we've had this issue before in our block. All I did as chairman is wrote a letter to everybody, please be reasonable and keep the noise down to a reasonable level. And if it is reasonable, then the kids will sleep and all the rest as well. (laughs) Very, very difficult to enforce. I mean, unfortunately, noise has created some very serious criminal offences whereby the noise keeps going, going, going. Someone goes up, smacks on the door, door gets open, argument breaks out, and then a knife comes out. Now, that's happened before. Uh, and, you know, and then it goes back to the psychological impact that people, it does wear people down. Just talking about noise from uh, neighbouring flats, I mean, a, a new issue which we probably didn't have five or ten years ago is fitness machines and people having treadmills in their flats. I mean, um, how, 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 how do we deal or do we deal with that, Colin Curry? Um, that you've got to rely upon the common law of nuisance. If it is a continuous nuisance, you've got to prove, your, you've got to get your decibel monitor tape record it, then make the complaint. Therefore, you can then consider taking action. It's not going to be continuous, right? No, I mean, no. you have to... <laughs> exactly. You know, it's a real difficult issue. I mean, and then maybe you talk to the person upstairs and you try and persuade them to do their exercise at, a, you know, you know, an, an early, an earlier, in an earlier hour. But I, I know what it's like. It's, you know, it's 
it could be difficult. I mean, Hong Kong, the city of Hong Kong, this is a vibrant city. Everybody, we're unique in our ways. We're very, you know, 7 million people approximately in a very, very small area. You're going to have noise. You're going to have tensions. And legislation, you know, I mean, I don't think going about it is educating and trying to get everyone to act reasonably is a far better way to resolve this problem than to get the big sticks and the boys come in and whack everyone with a 10,000 buck fixed ticket for making too much noise. And they're doing that because saying it takes too long to get them to court. You know, fixed penalty tickets is an easy way of avoiding going to the court. Of course, you can challenge that fixed penalty ticket, but pretty difficult to do so. Yeah, it's very interesting what you were saying. Actually, some of the worst effects of noise pollution is when it then leads to actually um, uh, violent confrontations and more serious crime. Correct. I mean, I mean, for example, I'll give you one example. There was an incident on an island, one of the islands, where a big noisy, you know, people having a few drinks, quite a lot of drinks on the roof and all the matters. The noise got better. Complaints, complaints, complaints. The police came once. The police came twice. Then all of a sudden, a melee broke out, and a gun. And you know, the police. One of the people attacked the police officer. Police officer got out the gun, shot. Um, person, you know, got you know very badly injured, survived, got prosecuted for assaulting a police officer. But all of that started from yeah. a very noisy incident and a party as well. And there's many of those. Yeah, sound, that sounds terrible indeed. Just, just hold that thought. And we, we're just going to uh, take a, a short break for the news. But we're continuing the discussion uh, with uh, uh, Colin Curran. And uh, later on, um, we'll also be joined by other guests uh, to talk about this whole issue of noise pollution in Hong Kong. And later on, we're actually going to uh, be looking at the issue of domestic helpers' wages. Uh, the weather forecast uh, is going to be mainly cloudy with occasional showers and squally thunderstorms. Showers going to be heavy at times during the day. Maximum temperature will rise to 30 degrees, currently 28 degrees, relative humidity 85%. It's 9.30, the news with uh, Tom Warden. Wildfires that have devastated part of the Hawaiian island of Maui are now known to have killed more than 50 people. The governor of the U.S. state has warned that he expects the number of fatalities to rise further. Josh Green said Hawaii hadn't suffered such a deadly disaster for generations. Five Americans jailed for years in Iran have been moved from prison to house arrest. Reports suggest the United States and Iran have struck a deal to free the five, regarded by Washington as wrongfully detained. The BBC says it has been told that they will be released in exchange for five Iranian prisoners in the U.S. and the transfer of six billion U.S. dollars worth of Iranian assets held in South Korea. And locally, United Christian Hospital says it is very concerned about the welfare of a 15-year-old girl who left its gynecology ward yesterday evening without notifying staff. I'll have more news at 10. Before taking tutorial classes or enrolling in courses such as commerce, language and computing, provided by private schools offering a non-formal curriculum, think about whether it is really necessary. If so, check whether the school is registered with the Education Bureau. Read the course and fee information carefully, pay monthly, and never pay the course fee in one lump sum by any means, including credit card. Keep formal receipts. For details, visit the Education Bureau website. 
the government has launched HKE Toll. With a vehicle tag, there is no need to stop to pay tunnel tolls. Tolls will be deducted from your account automatically. Starting from 5 a.m. on August 27th, HKE Toll is implemented at the Eastern Harbour Crossing. When using toll tunnels that don't have HKE Toll yet, please continue to use the existing payment methods. Visit hketoll.gov.hk for more. Drive smart with HKE Toll. Welcome back to Friday Back Chat. I'm Danny Giddings. Your guest presenter today is Mike Rouse. In the second half of the show, we're going to be continuing our discussion about the issue of noise pollution in Hong Kong and the consultation exercised by the government on the amendments to the noise control ordinance to address certain specific issues related to noise pollution. Still with us is Colin Cohen, who's a senior partner and co-founder of Boris Cohen & Collins. We're also now joined by Robert Rogers. Robert Rogers is a certified events professional, live events consultant and a part-time lecturer in festival and a live event production at Hong Kong Youth Space. Uh, later on, we'll also be talking to a representative from uh, Domestic Helpers about their proposal for a pay rise. Mike? Yes, Robert Rogers, good morning. Oh, good morning, how are you doing? Uh, we're bearing up under a strain, those of us especially who've been denied a nap this week by a lot of refurbishment work in a nearby flat. Um, right. <laughs> how are you with, with entertainment and noise? Are we doing okay? Well, it's it's always always a challenge and always a consideration whenever you know whenever you're putting putting something on, um, you know one of and you know the 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 Hong Kong Stadium is a perfect example of how the noise ordinance kind of can affect yes. the, the live events industry. <laughs> yeah. The uh, uh, I, in the consultation paper, I think it's wonderful that they've you know addressed started to address some of those issues. Um, whether or not just having it on particular holidays is going to be helpful or not, and you know, just having a extending that two-hour window, yeah, you know, at least it's a start. It's a start. I still remember the white gloves uh, for the concert. The yeah, idea exactly. That... <laughs> yeah, the whole Michael Jackson thing. Yeah, yes. absolutely. That was a that was a wonderful one. Yeah, the you know, when, whenever you're doing doing events, so so, so for instance, it, it, one of the challenges that that that. I, I feel as though I come up across is the fact that it's not necessarily a neighborhood or a general area that you have to worry about. It's just that could be just one individual that just happens to have had a bad day or one grumpy person that just says, oh, yeah, they're making all this noise. And they, they call up the police and then they come, come and close you down. Um, uh, I'm sorry was... to interrupt. Have you had that? I mean, have you had uh, when you've, you've had events underway and uh, one, as you said, grum well, one individual? Calls up the police and the police turn up and uh, try and close you down, or is it just a well, fear? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, so, so there was, for instance, there was one venue that was uh, it was out in uh, South Bay, um, uh, at, at South Bay Beach. Uh, he had uh, he had rented the the kiosk there. He had taken it over. Uh, he was doing some wonderful stuff. He had like a bar and he had cocktails. Uh, he also, you know, sold food and and such like that. And it was it for that area. It was. It was very popular. One of the events that he was doing, so he would started the the, the Sunday sessions, um, and they would have a DJ, and they would have, you know, it was this lounge atmosphere. And what he was creating was very much this kind of Ibiza, um, you know, uh, vibe, and this 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 really wonderful. It was a wonderful party every every Sunday night uh, during the summer times. Um, there was the way that the area was shaped. Um, the way that the the sound reverberated off of the rocks and off of the the, the valley, 
it came up and it, it actually just targeted just one apartment that was <laughs> up, you know, up in that Repulse Bay area. Um, uh, Sorry, you were saying that the, the way the noise bounced yes. off rocks means it just hit one, one specific apartment. It, it, that can happen acoustically. Um, yep, acoustically, it, it, yeah. it rolls back off the, off the slopes and yep, it, it exactly. gets focused in one area. Exactly. And so it, it hit this one apartment and, and then, you know, they had to get out there with all the noise meters and, and all of that sort of thing. And in the end, he ended up losing his license um, because there was just one person who was like, I don't like it. It bothers me every Sunday night. And, you know, obviously he's paying a lot of money to, to live in that space. And yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I, I wonder, like Colin was mentioning before, uh, I wonder if if these sort of rules and, and heavy clampdown is going to is 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 actually going to help the problem or maybe even make it worse. Um, perhaps a better way of looking at it would be to try and you know create a community where we're a little bit more tolerant, where we're a little bit you know would would go down and go talk to them, where you know where, where there's more communication in there and. And a little bit more forgiving. Let's bring uh, Colin Cohen's uh, still with us in our quiz. Let's bring Colin Cohen back in the discussion. And how, how about that situation we've just been, we just heard being described, where a um, somebody puts a lot of effort into organising an event, and it affects um, one particular resident. I mean, what are the legal rights on both sides there, both the organiser and the affected resident, so Colin Cohen? Um, I don't know all the facts of that one, but, but I seem to be a bit drastic just to close him down for one incident. There may be another. I suspect it had been going on, repeated a little bit. And um, one incident... Every Sunday, by the sound of it. Yeah, it, I, I mean... It, it was every Sunday. It yeah. was every Sunday. And, the, and, and this is the problem. I mean, I've acted for quite a few bars and clubs in Lang Kwai Fong and in Wan Chai, whereby they have they got liquor licences for all night and they play live music and above them you've got flats. The solution was to pay for an incredible amount of soundproofing to stop the music going up, making sure you had very, very good security on the doors. When the doors opened, you had two sets of doors and some, mostly the time that did work, but occasionally residents who took leases in the buildings above Lang Kwai Fong or above um, Wan Chai do so because the rents are quite lower than anywhere else. And, you know, and, they, and, and then a couple of people got very upset and kept on complaining, complaining. And yet at that time, the food environment, the health of people, they came in and took decibel readings which were below the actual level. And then the person says, well, I still find that noise bad enough, as each person is slightly different. So it is a very difficult, difficult area. They're this sort of, you've got all the bars, you want Hong Kong to be the nightclub centre, you want to have all this entertainment, everybody wants to come here and spend money. On the other hand, people want to get a good night's sleep. Is there so, anything, sorry, is there anything like the concept of proportionality we use in other areas of law where you balance the costs against the, against the benefits when you're, you're doing these noise control cases? Nope. You, I mean, the level is you prove that there's been a continuous nuisance. The law says in the common law you have to show that the nuisance is becomes in such a way that no ordinary person could you know, live with it. So you have to prove that the decibel level is right. above a certain amount. Colin, I want to ask about um, some common sense questions here. I remember the stadium existed before the residential blocks nearby. And so there, the stadium was there, it had various events that made a lot of noise. Then someone came along and built some flats nearby. People bought the flats, moved into them, and they complained about the noise. 
Um, yeah, well, I'm quite. The noise was there yeah. before you, Sport. Well, you've got to remember the old stadium was yep. the old stadium. There wasn't very much built. When right. a new st- stadium was being built and got opened, the blocks were all coming up. They were all being completed, and they were very, very expensive blocks. And what happened was there is that they wanted to have concerts, and they did have concerts, but then very influential people who lived up there who were very, very well-connected, that's all I'm going to say, made numerous complaints which really stymied... I mean, for the concert promoter to run a profitable concert, he's got to have eight nights, continuous, and, you know, people want to make noise at concerts, so they all moved away from the stadium right up to Airport Express, which is not the best venue, pain in the neck to get there. (laughs) Hopefully the new stadium, which is being built, they can have their concerts there, but again, noise will... You've got all those blocks near the new stadium... So it, it, it's always, always tensions on all of this. There are so many different issues about noise pollution. And <clears throat> we've just had a comment from a, a listener, Ellen, uh, about another another area of noise pollution, which I'm sure is affecting almost all of us. Um, Colin Curran, you can tell us if there's any legal recourse here. Um, Ellen says, how about those watching videos on smartphones inside the MTR carriage with the maximum volume on? Will those be included in the bill? Well, having read the uh, consultation exercise, they're certainly not covered by the consultation exercise, but um, um, how about that, that sort of form of noise pollution? No, Does anyone yeah. have any, how about MTR bylaws? Any, no, any recourse? I, again, it's the extent of it. In, you know, you, you, most people don't blare it out. I, I get upset when I'm when they, they, they if you remember the buses used to have it the noise coming out, then they stopped that. You just had the pictures. Um, it's the level of noise, and you'll vote the person I can understand. They don't like blaring noises. The decibel level of that will not be that high. You think it's high, but because you're so close to it, and it's a very short period of time. Uh, but it's educating people. I mean, most people should be educated that, you know, whenever my grandson tries to put on the mobile phone and have it blaring out, taking away and told him to switch the volume down and saying, <laughs> you don't do that. You know, I mean, it, 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 the law's not going to sort of, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult to enforce. It may be, right. obviously, on the MTR, there will be some bylaws about, you know, like busking. You can't busk. You know, they don't make too much noise. So there will be some regulation that prevents a noise from your phone going off. But enforcing it's impossible. Right. Robert, on busking, are, mm-hmm. we, are we practical on this subject? Are there areas where it's reasonable to busk? Well, well it's very interesting. So a good friend of mine, Andrew, was, was one of the guys that uh, helped to get the law passed uh, for the Freedom of Speech Act so that we could actually have buskers. And it was, for a while, it was fantastic. You had, uh, uh, you know, all, all through Moncock, Moncock Street, you had, you know, loads of performers coming out. And then slowly what happened is you started getting the dan- dancers and the, uh, you know, the, the ladies with their, with their megaphones and, the, and the, uh, the dancing classes and the karaoke classes. And it started to become quite loud. So all of those people down in Young Street Started to, many people started to complain, and then they just cancelled it entirely. Same thing that happened along the uh, the, the waterfront. Uh, you used to be able to have buskers along that area with amplifiers and such, but I think because of a lot of the complaints of the um, the dancers and the karaoke people, um, they stopped having any sort of uh, amplified things along along there. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's been other political concerns with with buskers. So I, I've noticed that 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 buskers have been getting cleared away, and you're only starting to see them in in kind of more rural locations. Right, uh, the waterfront in Saikung. 
I've, yeah, I see a few yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not really seeing them in in the city in the city centre anymore. Um, uh, and I believe they're. I, you know, I, I'm just guessing that they, the ones that I've seen, I, that I do see out in central area and stuff, I often see them getting hassle and getting um, questioned by the police. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of other issues going on there around busking other than just noise. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it, I mean, buskers. I, I, I'm, I'm a big, big belief that, big believer that. All of these things add to the life and the, the vibrancy of Hong Kong, and they're the kind of things that make it special. Um, like Colin was saying, the, the places like Lang Kwai Fong, uh, I have another friend who lives in Soho. She had a bar that was moving in downstairs from her, and you know she was saying, like, oh, as soon as they start making noise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the police. And I was like, why did you move here? <laughs> you know, yes. why, why did you choose this location? And, and if you're in that location, maybe you, know, you need to be a little bit more accepting. Um, I, I, or or maybe we need zoning, zoning for certain areas. That's a very important point of principle. And I flagged it up once, and I'm gonna, Colin, I'm going to flag it up again. I remember Disneyland existed... And then people bought flats where they could see Disneyland, and then they started complaining about the fireworks. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you bought a flat near in that place, and you're knowing there were going to be fireworks. I, I think Colin Cohen that there've been issues overseas also with airports, haven't there? I mean that people buy yes. property and before the airport is built, uh, or no, they buy it after the airport's been built, where they they should they should really be able to know. Um, is there any sort of law of first come first served? Uh, it will all depend upon the <laughs> on, on your searches, what happened beforehand, representations. But you know, if you buy a flat next to an airport, or an air, if you know it's zoned, going to be zoned as the coming airport, then there could be issues. Yeah, I think that's, that's the one, isn't it? Right? Yeah, well, yeah. The airport yeah. hasn't been built yet, but it's in the plans that it's going to be built. Yeah. And but like, like all these things, like in Hong Kong, you know, you buy, you rent a flat above a bar. You, Hong Kong is a noisy cent, you know, city, you know, so you, put your, you make sure you have your double glazing put in. And, and also the bars now, they are quite good because they do know they don't want the complaints, so they do put in the, um, the soundproofing on, on the roofing. It costs them a little bit of money, but it is worthwhile in the end of the day. I mean, back to the busking area, I was in London recently and I quite enjoy the busking, you know. It's, it's done quite orderly and it's well, and they're all left alone. But here in Hong Kong, I think with the very political tensions that we have and other matters now, the police, there's zero tolerance at the moment. <laughs> so that's, that, I mean, it, I, I know, I, I understand why they're doing it, but, you know, it, I would like to see more of it. I really would. Let's go back. I mean, we, we, we're discussing this. We're discussing the general issue of noise pollution here, but of course the, the, the peg for the discussion is because the government has put forward a consultation paper on amendments to uh, the uh, noise control ordinance, as Colin Cohen was saying, actually, the very limited areas they're tackling. But there's one area that uh, Robert Rogers, um, Mind Effect Junior, might like to comment on, where, where they're saying that on the eve of certain holidays, they will relax the time restriction, the currently the time restriction that for loud noise um, should end by 11 o'clock, they, they will change that until to 1 a.m. A rather interesting list of holidays listed. There's some obvious ones like um, uh, Christmas Day, um, New Year's Day, Lu Lu Chinese New Year Eve. Um, uh, then you also get uh, National Day and uh, July the 1st and also Halloween, which the last time I remembered is not actually a public holiday in Hong Kong, uh, but perhaps a recognition of that people do party there. I mean, uh, how much difference um, at setting a 1 a.m. Uh, 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 time limit instead of a 11 p.m. How much difference is that going to make, um, uh, Robert Rogers? 
Well, I, I think for the public holidays, there's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a great, like I said in the beginning, it's a, it's a great start. The thing that I quite thought was very interesting there was they also said uh, for mega events uh, and for ad hoc as the government sees, which I thought that that left the window, you know, left the door open for, for um, perhaps the, the things happening out of Kaitak as they start to come in. Maybe the government could then say, oh, you know, we're going to allow more late night things happening out there uh and i thought it, i thought it was interesting because i just i felt right. as though there might be uh you know might be they might be planting a seed into people's minds there i remember harbour fest for various reasons but <laughs> but one was the noise because we did um the poor old abcham they had to go around with uh people from the environmental protection department and measuring the noise levels at different ranging assuming you had the rolling stones playing and uh, i think in the end it, it was compliant but uh that was the sort of area where i can see the government saying hang on we're trying to revive the economy from sars here mm -hmm. you know have a sense of proportion give us yes. uh, is, isn't that colin isn't yeah, that it as well yeah i think that's it and remember the consultation paper says noise level to be kept no more than 10 dba 10 decibels above background noise level now that's not very much so it 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 yeah, you I, can party, I, well, but just party, party but quietly. Be, party <laughs> quietly. So, you know, it, it, it's back to the sort of thing, OK, we'll give you a few extra hours, but, you know, be reasonably quiet in those few extra hours. I, I, I mean, I mean, Guru, this is a consultation paper. I think a lot of it needs to be looked at pretty carefully. But as rightly said, I think the consultation paper is not really include, it's not aimed at the real issues. They say it is, because they mm. say 30,000 people are affected by these peddlers of their wares. And because, you know, they said that we've been around the streets and we think they are, it's affecting their mental health. But I'm not too sure about that. Okay, well, yeah. it's a very interesting discussion this morning. We will have to draw it to a close there. But um, uh, thank you very much indeed to uh, Colin Cohen, who uh, senior partner and co-founder of Boris Cohen and Colin, who's been here with us since the beginning of the show, and also joining us, Robert Rogers, who's a certified events professional. As Colin was just saying, yes, this is a public consultation. The consultation lasts until October the 8th. He also mentioned there is actually a, a form at the back of the uh, consultation document. So if you have any thought, everyone's affected by noise pollution, do have a look at the consultation document and perhaps respond uh, Stay with us. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Gilly of Consumer Council. Happy birthday, LTHK, for your 95th anniversary. May I wish you always filled with positive energy, continue to discover and report accurate, impartial and objective consumer news for consumers to shop smartly every day. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. Domestic helpers have been asking for a 30% pay rise. Uh, they are requesting a 30% pay rise to increase their um, salary, the, or the minimum salary uh, to 6100 uh, They only received a, a $100 uh, increase in the minimum wage last year after three years of a wage freeze. Um, mean to meet, uh, to meet officials about this, and they, they say they're optimistic uh, after meeting, meeting with the Labour Department, but of course uh, uh, the government says it's going to take various factors into account, and there's certainly no sign of decision yet.
to 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 discuss this uh, demand from nursing helpers and the chance of success, we're joined by a regular back chat guest, Iman Villanueva, who's the spokesman of the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body. Good morning. Welcome to back chat. Back, or welcome back to back chat. Hi, good morning, good morning. So yeah. why are you optimistic that the, go- the government is actually going to agree to a 30% pay rise? Well, uh, I think uh, the optimism is coming from the fact that what we are asking is not necessarily a pay rise, but rather it's, it's, it's breaking that uh, pattern of slave wage and uh, uh, having to set the minimum wage based on the living wage standards. Because right now, uh, there is really no standard. <laughs> The minimum wage was so low, you know, it, is, it was set so low so that from the framework of the government, it will be affordable. And, it, and this is, there's a problem when, when you set the wage based on its affordability. It should be, you know, the wage should be based on the living wage standards, which means there's dignity in labor and, you know, it, it protects the workers so that workers can, can live in a society based on the current cost of living in that specific country. Yeah. Do you think this is a role for the government to set minimum wages for domestic workers or we should leave it to the market? Well, I think the minimum wage is, uh, I mean, in, 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 from the uh, perspective of the uh, labor standards, uh, international labor standards, the minimum wage is uh, being set as a floor, which means it, it, it aims to protect the uh, workers from getting... Uh, you know, slave wage. Right. Uh, exploitation. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, against exploitation on wage. The problem in Hong Kong is that the minimum wage was set so low that it is actually way, way below the living wage. So right now what we are getting is a slave wage, and that's what we're trying to, to promote in this campaign. We're not just asking for a higher pay. Uh, we want the Hong Kong government and the society in general to also accept the principle of living wage, which is not only beneficial to migrant workers, it is also beneficial to local workers because it, I, I'm sure you, we all know that the, uh, the uh, statutory minimum wage in Hong Kong is one of the lowest in the world, considering that the cost of living in Hong Kong is at par with New York or yes. you know, in, in Tokyo in Japan, one of the highest in the world. But, but the minimum wage, the hourly rate is so low, it's, it's less than eight US dollars as compared to, you know, 13, 15 U.S. dollars in, in, in places with similar living standards. So it is really low. And I think that's, that's the principle behind this, uh, this campaign, this advocacy. What's your understanding of what proportion of domestic helpers are still only paid the minimum wage? Because certainly, I mean, there is a lot more competition for domestic helpers than in, in, in the past. And there, certainly, I think it's fair to say there are a higher proportion of domestic helpers who are paid um, above the minimum wage than if you look back 10 or 20 years ago when perhaps there's less competition. Um, so, I mean, how common is it these days for domestic helpers to only be paid the minimum wage? And how common is it that they can actually get higher salaries? Um, I would, I think, uh, a, a few a few uh, days ago, uh, I think the government uh, was also quoted saying that uh, around 70 or more percent are uh, of the migrant domestic workers are getting the minimum wage, which means it's just based on what the government is saying. And then you get like, you know, a quarter of the domestic workers population are getting higher than that. So I think with that, we can see that the trend is not to go above the minimum wage, but rather just to follow the mm. minimum wage being set by the 
uh, Hong Kong government. And I think uh, it is understandable because uh, majority of the employers in Hong Kong are actually, uh, you know, uh, not the, the, you know, not the rich rich in Hong Kong, but right. rather, uh, unlike in other countries, it's, it's not usual to get domestic workers unless you are, you know, really well off, right? But in Hong Kong, it became a necessity because for both the for both the uh, the, uh, the the parents, the couples, uh, for them to to have right. a you know better living uh, uh, condition, both of them have to work, and somebody has to take care of the household chores and you know child minding, and so it became like a necessity. And so exactly. most of the employers are actually not that uh, rich, you know, not that you know. So so in that way, uh, uh, it is important to set that. Uh, floor. Wage, how how you know, about the economy yeah. the last two or three years, though? That hasn't been very strong, has it? And we well, face headwinds yeah. now. Yes, I, I, I think uh, what we can uh, what we can just simply uh, look at is uh, the trend during the pandemic. During the pandemic, um, you know, the, the because of the, uh, the 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 restrictive condition, uh, not much domestic workers are coming in. And if you will look during that period. We've seen many employers offering way, way more than, you know, than the minimum wage because there's just no one coming in. And so there's, there's scarcity. So I think that the demand is there. And what the, what, what, what the problem is that, you know, the, the, the minimum wage was set so low. And now the, the, the wage, the, sorry, the, the workers are coming in again. And the government is actively seeking more sources. They're talking to Bangladesh. They're talking to uh, Cambodia to bring in more domestic workers. And, you know, the projection is that in, in the next 30 years, there will be more than 300,000 more uh, elderly people in Hong Kong. Then, you know, the demand is really there. So I think it's really the government that has to set, you know, just, just to set the minimum wage based on the living wage so that, the situation will not be exploitative to migrant domestic workers. Now, we, most of the time we focus on the minimum um, wage for domestic helpers, but you're also very concerned about a separate food allowance that um, domestic helpers should be paid. Um, if, uh, maybe you can say a bit, bit more about that. Yes, yeah. So, so the, 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 the food allowance is actually, it is so low. Right now it's just above 1,000. And, and our demand is to bring it to th- more than 3,000. Some people would say, that's ridiculous. But actually, it's not. Because what we did is just to base this amount on the government's you know, own statistics. And based on the government's uh, statistics, the, the, you know, the, the, the per capita food expenditure in Hong Kong is that amount. So why set, why set the, the food allowance, uh, you know, like uh, ba- just one third of the food expenditure in Hong Kong, are, you know, that, that's like saying or telling the employers that, you know, just feed them once a day instead of three <laughs> times a day or just get them like, you know, cheap food or just get them, don't, uh, you know, don't so, many so what we're saying is this is the, the, the food expenditure in Hong Kong right. and the but food many, allowance should be based Many employers provide the food. So when you, when exactly. You, when you go to exactly. the market, yes. you, you yes. buy a certain amount of vegetable, you buy a certain amount of meat. You buy a certain amount of other products, and then everyone has some. Um, so if if the helpers eating from the family budget, they don't get a separate allowance, isn't that right? That's correct. That's correct. But the food allowance is actually either the employer give give the food allowance in terms of cash, or the 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 workers will be you know will be uh, eating. Uh, eating yeah eat together with the employers. So. 
but but the food allowance is important because in in cases of dispute for example those employers who do not feed their domestic workers well they do not provide them with sufficient food or sometimes they do not give them okay. food at all and I'm also sorry we're going to have to draw allowance. it to yeah. a close there because we're coming to the end of the program saying very thank you very much to Iman Villanueva uh, from the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body. Also uh, to my co-host uh, Mike this morning. Another well, interesting show, what, a, what a team, what a duo. <laughs> uh, yes, so that's, that's, that's back chat for this week. Uh, Jim, Jim Gould and Philip Wong will be uh, back here on Monday. So do join us again next week and have a good weekend.